Hello, and welcome to the Whatcom Dads podcast. Wait, wait, wait. This week, it's the Whatcom Moms podcast. It's our turn to spill the tea, as the kids say. I'm Annette Bagley. I'm Amanda Dwyer. And I'm Amy Roselli. This week, we revisit some of the topics that dads have already discussed in the last nine episodes. We discuss birth stories, goals for our kids, picky eaters, holidays, and mom's self-care. Do you guys want to just get right into it? Yeah. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Go. <laughs> oh, one of us has to start. <laughs> I'm Annette, and my kids are Ben, who's 21, and Alexis, who is 24. I'm Amy, and I have two daughters, Lexi, who's 14, and Alyssa is 11. I'm Amanda, and I have three kids, Ellen, who's seven. Benjamin is five, and Molly is um, almost three. So, reflections, gripes, objections to things that have been said on prior episodes. And so, I re-listened to several episodes to find out if there were things. There were a lot of things about me on those episodes that I just want to clarify. (laughs) (laughs) Were they true? Well, one of the topics was picky eaters. And Mark brought up that I am actually a picky eater. I'm not now as an adult, but I was as a child growing up. And when I met him I in college, I was still a picky eater. But I have thought about this many times. I, I think there's a lot to be said for being a picky eater. I think in analyzing myself... And why I refuse to eat certain foods, I realize that a lot of it, I think, is control and that I am by nature a pleaser. And that was my role in my family and with my parents. I'm the firstborn and I have two younger brothers and I was also often in my family dynamic, the one that was trying to make everybody happy. So I didn't have a lot of control about what was happening in my own household, but I could control what I put in my own mouth. I, it gave me power mm-hmm. as, a, as a, a girl, as a person. Um, it allowed me to say no to a lot of other things um, that I, you know, like I wasn't going to smoke because why would I put that? terrible tasting thing in my mouth. And I wasn't going to drink alcohol because that is disgusting. You know, every time you taste it, it tastes bad. Why would I drink anything that, why would I eat anything that tastes terrible? And, and the ability to say no to my parents in that way and stick to it. And then to say no to my friends when they were peer pressuring me to, to drink or, you know, I, I think that that gave me a lot of confidence as a young person, even though in, you know, the parenting books kind of go crazy about how you really need to get kids to eat all these foods, not liking something. I think that's the least of a parent's worries. And so I never felt the need to force our kids to eat any particular food because I just felt it was empowering to me to be able to have Hmm. um, control over what I liked and didn't like. Oh, I was thinking about the episode where the dads were talking about the holidays 
and navigating the holidays with kids and, you know, extended family members wanting to see kids and traveling and all of that. And um, we have never been at our house for a holiday ever since we got married, actually. It was, we just always have traveled to go see our family down south. And that's just been the thing that we have done. And now with COVID this year, right? We're going to be home. And so our kids for the first time ever are going to have the experience of waking up at our house on Christmas morning and coming down the stairs at our house and having that whole experience. So different, but so great in a lot of ways. Um, But just I'm, I'm having a harder time with Christmas because that's such a special time for extended family and grandparents. And um, while I'm so excited to have, you know, sort of that big, huge, memorable experience of our girls at our house on Christmas morning, it also comes with a little bit of like, oh, but that means that we don't get to do all the other fun stuff that we always do every year. And so I'm kind of in this like, sort of stuck in between this place of like, I want to be there and be present and make it super magical and amazing for my kids on Christmas morning and not feel that like, oh, I wish we were doing what we usually do and having those feelings of missing out. So that, that is kind of what I'm wrestling with just like right at this moment. Like, I want it to be great. And I'm dealing with like, yeah, but it's not like it usually is. And that's what Christmas means to my girls because they don't know anything different. Mm. And for them not to get to do the annual scavenger hunt that my dad does for them every year. And when, when we told them, you know, we're probably going to be staying home for Christmas. uh, The first thing Alyssa said was, Oh, does that mean we don't get to do a scavenger hunt with Papa? And so just that, you know, just, just that acknowledgement that those traditions are so important to our kids. And so now it's like, you know, okay, so do we try to throw together a scavenger hunt or do we just wait until the next time we can be with my parents so that my dad can provide that experience for them again? It's, um, yeah, it's a different year for sure. And absolutely maybe a, um, a catalyst for some change in how we do some things around the holidays. Um, Chris is on board completely for always being at our house on the holidays. Now it's been very sweet to all be together, but on the other, (laughs) here comes the realness on the other, on the other hand, it's like, you know, the four of us have been all together for the last nine months, 24 seven. So like mixing it up a little bit sounds pretty great. Well, and this year is a year where I'm learning, I'm finding out what traditions are important. And some of the things that we have done every year, I have, they've just been fillers or just things that we do. And yeah. those aren't the things that have been meaningful to me. Um, we have a, a little small group that we get together with. We've been getting together for years and the kids all would do a gingerbread house decorating. And this year, Ellen said, oh, we don't get to decorate gingerbread houses with our friends. And I was like, I did, that was just so the parents could all have a drink and talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was just busy work for you. Uh-huh. And um, so this year we did a Zoom, which is so hard to decorate gingerbread houses over Zoom, <laughs> but we got it done. And it, it but I, I didn't even know that that was something that was important to my kids at all. And I would have probably not even remembered that we do that every year if she hadn't said anything. So it's, I, I got to take those notes 
to remember that those are the things that are important. I mean, I don't think they really care about some of the other stuff that I do that I think are the memory making moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe this is a good year to kind of find out what we should be doing that's important and what we don't need to do anymore. Yeah. So, you know, my kids are the older ones in this scenario, but um, I do remember the realization and learning, oh, if we do something one time that the kids really (laughs) like, then they think that that's what we do every single year, right? And year over year after over year, those things have added up to, in our house, a crazy amount of obligations in December and, you know, the the gingerbread house and the this and the that and the this and the that. And I actually am really excited for this Christmas and just having our family, our, the four of us, you know, I, I'm usually exhausted by Christmas day and like whatever happens, happens, open the presents. And then like, can I take a nap now? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So this year, because we're home every single day, um, I had just had so much joy in just, being at home and receiving things I ordered and wrapping them and putting them under the tree and not having any extra things um, and having time to sleep. When we were planning ahead for the, um, the Christmas holidays and all the things I thought, Oh man, usually we have every Saturday filled with some event or, you know, Oh, we usually get, try to get tickets to a nutcracker or a concert or do something. And I was for a moment pretty sad. And I thought, gosh, all we're going to do this year is I guess we're just going to drive around to look at lights. That's all we got. We can stay in the car. We can look at Christmas lights. And this year has been so much fun because all of our Saturdays and Sundays have been free and open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's, it's really been nice. We kind of have dinner and it's dark. And then, we, oh, should we go for a walk around the neighborhood and look at lights? Yes. Instead of, oh, we got to get dresses and tights and somebody needs new shoes for <laughs> whatever it is we're doing. And don't forget the gift and all that stuff. And it's this year, it's it's been really nice to just, I guess, only have lights to look at. And it's yeah. been really peaceful. It just shows us how ridiculously crazy our lives have become and and how maybe they don't need to be so crazy all mm-hmm. the time. You know, we have this fear of missing out of everything, but when you have nothing to miss out on, you realize, oh, it's pretty nice to have uh-huh. just some calm life. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Robinson and Cole Attorneys. Robinson and Cole handles all types of injury cases. This includes auto accidents, work accidents and L&I claims, slip and falls, construction site accidents, and wrongful death claims. Robinson & Cole offers a free consultation and case evaluation. If you or someone you know has suffered a personal injury or has been injured on the job, call Robinson & Cole at 360-671-8112. You can also find more information on their website, robinsonandcole.com. That's R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N. A-N-D-K-O-L-E dot com. Robinson and Cole, Northwest Washington's premier injury law firm, representing Whatcom County since 1979. Well, the dads wanted us to talk about some um, parenting topics. Oh, yeah. And gave us some ideas. And um, one one of the things that I was thinking about as I was looking up this list of ideas was how every um, 
every child when they're born, right, has a different story. There's a different story to the birth. There's a different story for how it went like you planned or didn't go like you planned. And for for me, with my firstborn, Lexi, you know, I am a type A planner. I'm a teacher. I knew exactly how this was going to go. And I had a birth plan and I had it all written out. And this was how it was going to be. And then the doctor called me three weeks early and said, it's time to have the baby right now because your blood pressure is way too high. And I was like, excuse me, this is not in my birth plan. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I'll and fax he, you a copy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you didn't see the birth plan. And he, he said, yes, you need to come in right now. <laughs> and um, okay. So we went to the hospital and I, it, I was very much just like in my plan that I was going to have an epidural and, you know, don't mess with my plan because I, it's, it's written down. And uh, when I was, you know, going through the process of trying to think about what I wanted for my deliveries and everything, and do I have, do I choose to have medicine to help with the pain? Do I not? Like, there's all these blogs you read that like natural is the way to go and blah, 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 blah. And so I was very conflicted because I don't like pain, but I also wanted to do it right. (laughs) And um, my doctor said to me at one of my last appointments, um, he said to me, you know, I could go and have a root canal at the dentist and not have Novocaine but why would I do that? And I thought, yeah, exactly. Amen. And that I had a doctor that knew me well enough to know that he needed to tell me that, yep, it's time to come to the hospital right now. But he didn't tell me every single detail in order to freak me out and send that blood pressure up even higher. Mm -hmm. So he knew me well enough to know what to tell me and what he could wait to tell me until it was safe. And that's but a good was, doctor. Yeah. That is a very good doctor. But it was just a really good lesson in, oh yeah, I'm not actually in control. And yes. um be a little bit more flexible, which is an ongoing lesson. Just a I, metaphor for motherhood. For, exactly. That's what I it's exactly what I was gonna say. That's how your first lesson in parenting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is the 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 labor and the delivery. Um yes. <laughs> you have no control, no choices. Your plan is moot. There's no reason yeah. to <laughs> out the window. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Who thought I had control over this situation? No. Uh-uh. And we put so much um effort into thinking through and planning this birth plan that goes awry. And then um Oh, the next day or so, they send you home with this very small human. And I remember we got home with Alexis and she was in a car seat and we put the car seat on the table and we looked at each other and went, what do you think we should do now? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't need any permission. I mean, I filled out more paperwork to buy a house or to get a car. (laughs) And they were just like asking me to leave the hospital. And I couldn't understand that. I I feel like I need like permission from my mom and dad or somebody, somebody needs, I I can't just be the responsible one here in this situation. Mm You know, what I thought was interesting was um, I was, especially as a first time mom, I was so uh, concerned about doing everything right for my kid and by the book. And, you know, this is how it's supposed to go. And, and I had a really hard time nursing 
I had a very hard time nursing my body. Just I wasn't producing milk and she was cranky and crying and it took us a real not gaining weight. (laughs) And, but I felt this like external pressure, like this is what your body is made to do. This is what, this is natural. This is what all women do. And it was really hard to accept the fact that we needed extra help. We needed to supplement we needed to supplement with formula in order for her to grow and to thrive because I just wasn't able to give her what she needed in that way. But that, I think that pressure for new moms, no matter if it, if we're feeling it from the outside or we're just putting it on ourselves, wherever it comes from, that if I were to talk to a new mom who was willing to accept some advice, right, I might tell that new mom, just um, try to like be kind to yourself. Like don't, don't have so many expectations. I, I don't know. I don't think I could have heard that necessarily, but um, that, that was hard. It was, it was like, wait, what do you, what do you mean? My body can't provide for my daughter. Like I just grew her. <laughs> I should be able to feed her. And I just, and I wasn't able to, and there was a lot of guilt that came with that. Well, and I think there's so many opportunities to feel shamed too in that. Yes. Um, it we had the same situation with actually all three of our kiddos, but it took our first our firstborn. I didn't want to tell anyone that I thought I was failing. Yes. And I thought I I'm doing it wrong. This is my job, and this is my body, and it's supposed to be doing this. And everybody else, and and from my perspective, every other human, every other yes. person who's given birth, is doing it, and I'm not. And there was that level of, if I say something out loud, I might get shamed for it. Or I, I, it's just saying out loud that I'm a failure at the one with a newborn. There's not much to do, but feed it. And I was, I wasn't able to do that. And mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a tricky thing. And I don't know who, how I could have gotten through that because I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to say, I didn't want to hear someone say I needed help. But one person said the best baby is a fed baby. And that just resonated with me because I just kept thinking like, okay, that's my job is to feed the baby. My job is not to necessarily breastfeed the baby or to bottle feed the baby or all of the different combinations you could choose. And But when I could take that to heart and say, my job is to feed the baby, no matter what way. There is a lot of societal pressure on moms, yes. new moms, and you want to be a good mom and, you know, you have to do it this way or else, you know, type mm-hmm. of thing. And there are so many ways to care for your child and be a good mom. It doesn't have to be just one way. Mm-hmm. And I think also there's a lot of pressure to make it look like you're fine and that mm. you got it under control. And no, of course we didn't have a poop explosion in the diaper <laughs> two minutes before I walked in. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel like that's something that um, the more people talk about it, the more it it kind of can bring it to an end, I hope, because I try to talk about it a lot with friends and, you know, friends who have newer babies. I talk about my failures or mm-hmm. not necessarily my failures or the things I tried and didn't work or how difficult things were for me that I thought nobody else was finding difficult. Yeah. Um, so I found that I just try to help where I can. Plus, you're there, so emotional. Okay, oh, thank point. you. That was what I was just going to say. That is one thing nobody ever told me. Mm-hmm. I wish somebody would have sat me down and said, so here's the deal. 
after this baby is born, you're going to have like the most crazy, ragey, hormonal dips and, you know, all of that. I Chris will tell the story and I clearly remember my mom was here. She came to stay with us for a few weeks, which was a godsend after Lexi was born. And I remember um, sitting on the couch. I was trying to nurse and I was frustrated and whatever. And I just out of nowhere, I just yelled, could somebody just vacuum, just vacuum. (laughs) And both my mom and Chris were like, no, I got it. Nope. No, 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 no. I got it. No, I got it. And like, that was so unlike me and, and came from, I don't know where, but that was definitely like my hormone craziness talking. Like it was very important that it, somebody vacuumed right then. (laughs) But I hear you. Yeah, nobody ever told me that I was going to have those hormonal changes after the baby was born. And that was, ooh, that was hard. Um, well, I will tell you that thinking back, thinking, looking at these topics and um, thinking back, because my kids obviously are out of the house now, um, I, it made me think about what goals I had as a mom. And maybe I didn't know that I had these goals when the kids were little. Um, But thinking back, I realized that um, I did have some goals. And some of that came from my own childhood and from my mom and her mom and, you know, kind of the succession of females in my life. But um, definitely um, teaching the kids to read, both, you know, actually able to read the words and also to love reading was, um, was really important for me. Um, teaching the kids to cook or, you know, learn how to maneuver in the kitchen. Um, in the episode about fire safety, uh, the, um, former fire chief, um, he made a comment about how when you're cooking, keep the kids out of the kitchen. And I thought to myself, as soon as I heard him say that, I thought, nope, you have to teach the kids how to be safe in the kitchen. If you keep them out of the kitchen, they will be helpless in their life and in the world. They, you have to teach kids how to, you know, they don't have to become a chef, but they have to learn how the oven functions and the stove functions and the mixer functions and how um, um, measurements function. And, and, you know, I used to pull a chair up to the counter and let the kids, you know, pour in the cups of things, just like my mom did and mix the bowl. And, and, but I spent a lot of time teaching them not to touch the oven because it's hot. And, you know, if something's on the stove, you can't reach up and grab that handle. And, you know, all of those things, if we don't teach the kids, they you know, they, they won't learn and they're more likely to have this terrible accident happen to them because nobody's ever told them not to. And you do have to watch your children in the kitchen for sure, Mm -hmm. but I don't think you should keep them out of the kitchen. And the other goal I had is that they, um, have appreciation for nature. And, um, I grew up on a farm and I love digging in the dirt and growing things. And so that was a really big thing for me. There's, there's so much to be concerned with as a parent, right? Am I doing this right? Am I doing, am I preparing my kids for a million things? And Chris and I have tried to really think about like, 
okay, what's the bottom line? What's most important to us? And for us, we've chosen that our kids have empathy and Mm, that they are kind to others and that they can try to see beyond themselves right? Um, To to see other people's perspectives. You know, I see a whole range of kids in my job. And so it's become really um, important for Chris and I that we teach our kids to have this bigger perspective that is beyond themselves, whether it is, you know, helping a neighbor, and not mm-hmm. expecting anything in return. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> or, a great one. you know, the, the good old fashioned thank you note goes a long way and, and speaks volumes yeah. and giving back to our community, just trying to really plant those seeds for them yeah. as they're growing yeah. to hopefully, you know, yes. having those be values that are really important and instilled in them. You. You both have really great, beautiful goals. And um, my <laughs> my goal that I um, share all the time, it's the bar is really low in my <laughs> parenting world. You have very small children. You got a lot going on. Yeah. Well, all I think about when I, when I think of a, a goal I have as a parent is to not make it on the news. <laughs> I... I don't ever want to hear, you know, Bellingham, mother of three. You know, I don't, I don't want... <laughs> That's a really good goal. <laughs> there so, is a lot that goes into making that goal happen. Let's be a honest. Lot. Yeah. A lot. You are doing so much to make that not happen. <laughs> so I feel like if I can stay off the news and I can keep my children off of the news, then I'm I'm winning. I <laughs> Yes, you are. Absolutely. <laughs> and yes, nature and empathy and <laughs> stuff. But but more so, I just don't want to be on the news. <laughs> And that's not a diss to other moms who make it on the news because it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. Right. It is hard. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Mount Bakery Cafe. Mount Bakery has two locations in Bellingham to serve hungry dads and their families. They have something for everyone from hot breakfasts to grab and go goods to a variety of breakfast cocktails. Delicious. For my family, I love the classic breakfast with scrambled eggs and bacon. Amy loves their tomato benedict, and Lexi loves their strawberry chocolate crepe, and Alyssa loves their chocolate chip cookies. During the current COVID restrictions, you can enjoy their full menu with heated outdoor seating downtown, or you can visit them in Fairhaven for grab-and-go pastries, quiche, soup, and delicious drinks. Check them out at Mount Bakery. Dot com. The next section, which we're talking about things that we do for ourselves to help kind of like ground ourselves in the craziness of motherhood and what have we done for ourselves. Um, I think about like, especially like Amanda, where you're at with Annette and I are in two different phases, right? And, but Amanda, you are in the weeds right now. I mean, Mm -hmm. you are in that phase where it is 24-7 momming. It's it's nice to have friends who are in different phases of parenthood, especially phases that are beyond where we're at, because that gives us some perspective on what is to come, right? And I I just remember when my kids were babies thinking, 
I am never going to have any time to myself. I am never going to be able to do anything for myself. And that was a little crazy making for me. And thank goodness I have a husband (laughs) who recognized my, my mental health needs and was so supportive of me doing whatever I needed to do in order to, um, be the best mom and the best wife and, you know, all of that, that I could be. And so for me, what was really important was um, two things. One was having a tribe of women who I loved and trusted, respected, and who I could commiserate with. Because although I have a fabulous husband he doesn't know what it's like to be a mom and all of the things that come with being a mom. Like we are, we are in this together in the parenting journey, but he's not a mom. And so to have that tribe of women to uh, commiserate with and just say like, Oh my gosh, is this happening to you? Cause I feel like I'm the only one. And you know, that kind of thing um, was so important and is still really important for me with every new phase. Right. It's like, we think we've got it figured out and then our kids get a little older and something new comes up. And um, the other part for me was being able to have something to clear my mind. And for me, that was exercise. And Mm -hmm. so um, I've been a part of a fabulous exercise community in Jazzercise, which has given me, um, you know, (laughs) physical confidence and mental confidence and new friendships and another community. And um, I needed to be able to do those things to be the best mom for my kids and frankly, the best wife that I could be. Because if mama doesn't exercise, nobody's happy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so thankful. Shout out to my husband who has been nothing but supportive through that whole journey. But, but yeah, yeah. If I didn't have my friends and I wasn't able to kind of sweat it out, it would be so much harder. It's taken me a long time to figure out what it is that I need in order to keep myself fresh and, um, not loathe my children Uh (laughs) or my husband. Yeah. (laughs) I know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, that there's going to be a day when I, when we leave the house and I don't have to say, everybody go potty and wash your hands before we leave the house. That's, that's kind of my next light. (laughs) That's, that's the next tunnel to get through um, those little things. But um, I realized time alone was what was huge for me. And even if it was with my bedroom door closed and just staring at a wall or <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, that could do a lot um, to walking to exercising. And I think the best gift Nathan has ever given me was Ellen, our oldest was eight months old or so. And he gave me um, a night at a hotel oh. and it was, I mean, that was a big, that was a big gift. Okay. Wait, by yourself, by myself. I got to go to the hotel all by myself. I checked in in the evening, four o'clock. I got some takeout and I slept in the hotel <laughs> and I slept in as long as I wanted. Of course I'd had a, you know, a newborn, so I didn't sleep very well anyway, but that was enough to re-energize me. And I wanted to come back home. <laughs> Yeah. And even even going for a walk and exercising, those are two things that do it for me where I can come back and say, okay, I actually missed you guys and I actually am ready to come back in. Exactly. And that's why I think it's so important for, you know, anybody listening that, you know, if you if you have a spouse or a partner, maybe it's that person, but if it's 
But if it's not, then somebody else. And many times for me, not many times, but for sometimes for me, it was just like needing to talk to another female or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and spending some time with a friend or just going for a little walk outside and talking to my mom, like, mom, this mm-hmm. is what I'm feeling. And I was so thankful that I had my mom to be able to bounce ideas off of and mom, this is what I'm feeling. And for her being the person who knows me so well to say, yeah, that's normal. That's normal. But, but for somebody who's a new mom to find that person to give validation that yeah, this is hard. Yeah. It is this hard. is hard. And it's hard to be at home with kids and it's hard to, you know, to do this whole mom thing, but to find somebody who can support that. I hope everybody, everybody could find that person. Yeah. Well, you didn't think that you could go a whole episode without hearing from the dads, did you? So we had a chance to listen back to uh, what our wives said on the podcast. We are in agreement that it was spectacular. We are worried we're going to lose our job here as the uh, the Wacom Dads podcasters. But one thing that Annette said that I thought was uh, really great, and I, I want to talk a little bit more about it. We were talking about breastfeeding and the trouble that the wives had with that. And um, one thing that Annette and I figured out was that because we were bottle feeding our kids that we were able to split up the uh, feedings, which was great. So I took the 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. feedings and Annette took the 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. feedings and that let her get some sleep. I'm a night owl, so it was easy for me to get up at 1 o'clock in the morning and do the feeding. She's a morning person, so it was easy for her to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and do the feeding. So we got into this rhythm, and it really worked well. And the nice thing also about it is that I had some time with our children where they were just laying there and staring into my eyes and me back at them, and it was really pretty special. So it was really nice for me as a dad to be able to do the bottle feeding uh, when the kids were young. I thought it was interesting listening back to the ladies that all three of us had a very similar experience with uh, the breastfeeding, and uh, we can all commiserate about that. But I wanted to talk a little bit more about birth stories. As I have three kids, all three of them had very different birth experiences. But our middle child, Benjamin, I think this could be a Whatcom County record, but we were at the hospital a total of 27 minutes before Benjamin was born. And the thing that I will always remember is when he was born, I looked down at my feet and my shoes were not tied. So that's an indication of how quickly we had to leave the house, get to the hospital, get checked in. And my wife tells a story to this day that it was only after our son had been born for about two hours that they wheeled in and said, all right, can we get your insurance information? And we thought, what the heck? We could just leave now. They didn't get the payment information up front. Hopefully what the ladies talked about will give some of our listeners who maybe are having their second or third child a little uh, to think about. And for me, you guys, one of the, the the stories that Amy told was really the experience of our first childbirth with Lexi. And it wasn't until after Lexi was born that we realized the reason they checked us in so soon was because Amy had high blood pressure. She had uh, what was called HELP syndrome. We didn't know that at the time, which they as Amy had mentioned in the podcast, chose not to mention it to uh, prevent her blood pressure from going up even further. But for us, we thought it was just this amazing customer service, quick check-in experience. (laughs) And and we ended up learning later on that it was actually something completely different and everybody was in on it except for us. 
Guys, should we take a few minutes and react to the episode nine since we listened back to it? Yes. I wanted to point out one thing. As I was editing that episode and we were talking about discipline, what you guys couldn't hear is that in the background, my kids were screaming. <laughs> they were definitely having some issues in another room with my wife. And uh, so that was gave me a little chuckle when I went back to edit. To reiterate what Anne-Marie said, I mean, there's a, a variety of different ways to discipline children. There's a, a variety of different efforts that people have made, and many work and many don't. And Nathan, I'm looking forward to having her back on the podcast to talk more about it and, and maybe debate a little bit about some of the things that she did with her kids and that I did with my kids and uh, just presenting different styles about what works for different folks. Well, guys, this is going to be our last time on the microphone in 2020. What a challenging year it has been. But I will say, but for the pandemic, I don't think we would have started doing this. So I want to thank you again as my friends for uh, taking my crazy idea and running with it with me. I look forward to the podcast uh, in 2021. And I want to wish all our listeners a happy holidays and a happy new year. Thank you to the show's sponsors, Robinson and Cole Attorneys and the Mount Bakery Cafe. There are links to their websites in our show notes. Please remember to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. New episodes are available Friday mornings. Please email ideas for future guests or discussion topics to Podcast at gmail.com. And if you or your kids have a good dad joke, that as well and we will read it at the end of our show you can also find more information on the walking dads podcast facebook page the dads are taking the next week off for the holiday so the next show will be available in two weeks on january 8th bye bye <laughs> phyllis diller says be nice to your children for they will choose your rest home. Little known fact, before the crowbar was invented, most crows drank at home. There should be a bar in Bellingham or somewhere called the Mom Bar. There should. There absolutely should. Okay, what would be at the Mom Bar? Wine. Lots, lots of wine. Wine. Margaritas. Probably, yes, probably a spa chair, like a massage chair. <gasps> or like a, a, nap, a napping yes. pod. A napping napping pod. pod. <laughs> yes. <laughs>